Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. You're trying to have one foot in the world and serve God with one foot. You cannot do it. It's impossible. And man, do we see that? We're going to see that more and more and more with our country. Listen to this. It's a smorgasbord religion. A little Christianity, a little Buddhism. Mix in some New Age. Add some Judaism. Of course, today you got to add Islam. And it's all okay. But it is not. You can't do that. You must serve God and God alone. The primary truth cannot be altered. God is the only way. Jesus is the only way to God. When a person is confronted with the truth about their need for salvation, there are two choices. Surrender to God and follow Him, or reject Him and turn away. It sounds black and white, but many people get stuck in the gray. That area where there is repentance, but the person is still hanging on to some part of their old life. Don't get caught in that trap, because the longer you rebel in that area, the more difficult it will be to surrender it. As we'll see today in Second Chronicles, when Manasseh first becomes the king of Judah, his ways are deeply evil. By the time he repents, a precedent has already been set, and the people will cling to some of their old ways. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 32, verse 33, with our continuing study entitled, The Ups and Downs of Life. You don't invite people here to see a man or an orchestra or a choir or whatever. You invite them here to meet God. Because that's the solution to our problems tonight. Now, verse 32. The other events of Hezekiah's reign and the acts of devotion are written in the, in the vision of the prophet Isaiah. When we get to Isaiah, we'll read more of this again and remind you again. Why, why would God put this three times in the Bible? Come on, God. Where's your memory? He puts it three times in the Bible because what? Where's our memory? That's the problem. Verse 33. Hezekiah rested with his fathers on the hill. Now, Chapter 33. Manasseh, his son, was 12 years old when he became king. Now he reigned some, co-reigned with Hezekiah. And he reigned in Jerusalem, long time here, 55 years. You'd be surprised at the next verse. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had demolished. He also erected altars to the Baals and made Asheroth poles. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. Now, just to show you how the Bible fits together, look at Deuteronomy 4.19. Look at God said. This is, this is a command to the children of Israel. And when you look up to the sky... And see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the heavenly array. Do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. So God had warned, don't play around with the stars. You play around with me, the maker of the stars. Here we go. This is known, but here Manasseh, 
was going to do exactly opposite of what God wanted. Verse 4, he built altars in the temple of the Lord, on which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. He sacrificed his sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, practiced sorcery, divination, witchcraft, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. So here you see again, look at verse 6. Is anything in verse 6 being practiced today on our televisions? Yes. Notice, he practiced sorcery, trying to gain power from the evil spirits. Divination, trying to interpret the future with omens. I was watching something the other night, one of the channels I flipped through. I don't even know what program it was. I turned off because it drove me crazy. Here's a lady trying to contact her son, I think it was, who had died years earlier. Here was a guy who said, I can do that. I can get you in touch. It's, it's happening because people don't understand this. Notice witchcraft, trying to control others through communication with the evil spirits. And there's the mediums and spiritualists trying to seek the dead. That's exactly what was happening the other night at one of the cable stations. Somebody was trying to seek and contact the dead. All of these practices that you see in verse 6 were employed in the pagan world. God knew that. So he said to the children of Israel, you, you can't be in the world's mold. Romans chapter 12. You have to be different than the world. You don't serve pagan God. You serve me, the living God. So God reminds these people, had reminded these people that they were evil practices. God alone knows the future. God wants to be the source of our wisdom, how to do life right. That's why the whole book of Proverbs for us. So when you see these things, our world today kind of goes, eh, they're just innocent games. They are not innocent games. Satan is very real. It's not the Satan we're talking about with a, like a red suit and a pitchfork. Satan is real. Many, many things happen in these, all these all these evil things that are going on there. God knows that Satan's powerful. You don't want to play with these things. Verse 7. Then he carved an image he had made, put it in God's temple, of which God had said to David and his son Solomon, in this temple in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribe of Israel, I'll put my name forever. So probably the most disastrous thing he did, even considering all that, we set, he set up an image to a pagan God within the temple of God. Where God had already said, remember in Exodus, you'll have no other gods before me. So he doesn't have only a God on a hill somewhere, takes this image, puts it in the temple. Incredibly blasphemous to God. Now, when you see all of this, what happens? Verse 8, I will not again make the feet of the Israelites leave the land I assigned to your forefathers. If only they will be careful to do everything I commanded them. But Manasseh, notice, but Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. That's God's interpretation. That's impossible for us to understand, isn't it? All these pagan nations that were there, all this junk that they did, here it all comes, not just being conformed a little bit to the image of the world. Here it comes. And the nation of Israel, under Manasseh, does more 
than the pagan nations did. God, obviously, being a jealous God, really had great difficulty. Now, how did that happen? How did a son of a great king, a son of Hezekiah, who who lived all these years, do you think Hezekiah ever said to his son, you know, the reason I'm living, God gave me 15 more years. I was supposed to die. Do you know about this tunnel that's down in the spring of Gahan? God gave me the wisdom to... All of those things the son heard. Son saw his father's failure. Son saw his father's humility. Paid no attention. Did his own thing. What does that mean tonight? It means this. As parents, we have a great responsibility to our children. Those of you that are parents here. Young children all the way up. If you have young kids tonight, you can't wait till they're 13 to begin showing them godliness. It must start here. When they're very young. In fact, if you're pregnant tonight, begin praying that God's hand will be on your child. And see, from our home, and one of the couples that I was doing premarital counseling with, you know, we asked a lot of different things in there. One of the things I say to them always is, what do you expect of your spouse spiritually? And of course, we have lots of new couples that are really young in the Word, and I love it because it's changing their lives. And what, what do you expect of your spouse spiritually tonight? Well, uh, the wife is going to say, I hope my, my husband's going to be the spiritual leader of the home. Let me ask you guys. Is that happening? That should be a good expectation. It's God expectation. The wife, husband, what do you expect of that wife? To be a godly woman. To help me, to encourage me, to work together as a team. And quite often we'll, we'll hear that with couples. Well, when I kind of want to sleep in and she, want, and she doesn't or whatever and we're too busy, I want the other one to chide me to go. Right on. So we can do that, but when it comes all down to it, when our children get to an age of accountability, they must choose. It's a hard thing. They have to choose. Some of you have prodigal sons and daughters. You're going to see in a moment. Hang on. Keep praying. Invite them to church this weekend if they're around. Don't give up. We can't force anybody, but we sure can set an example. Hezekiah set a pretty good example. Had just a couple downtimes. Great man. His son doesn't seem to be sensitive to God's thing. So we see three things. The power of choice. The benefits, we'll uh, talk about at the end of daily submitting to God and the necessity of quickly repenting. That's what Hezekiah did. But what happened? Manasseh doesn't pattern his life after it. Look at verse 10. Then the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. This is a danger tonight. As you're here, as you're listening to the word of God, you're doing great. I just made some statements. If you're a husband or wife, will you pay attention to that? That was God speaking to you, to me. Will you pay attention? You go home, just do your own thing. Notice verse 10. In that state, this is encouraging to me, in that state of incredible evil, God is still what? Speaking to their heart. Why? God's heart is for nobody to be lost. He's still speaking to them, but they did not pay attention to God. So what does that mean tonight? It just means this for us. Comes a time in our lives when God will stop speaking. The book of Genesis says he will not always strive with men. While he is speaking, if he's speaking to you tonight, if he's going to speak to that's what I'm praying all weekend, just on my mind. God, 
speak to people's hearts. Open them. May they see your love. I don't know why God's speaking. If, if I was God here, I'm not speaking to Manasseh. He has profaned my temple. But God's speaking. Verse 11. Because they wouldn't listen, so the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, took him to Babylon. This is pretty, pretty common for the people in those days, the Babylonians, the Syrians, and so forth. They'd take a leader for sure, put that hook right there, and just drag him. Humility. Or they'd put him through the lower lip. Same thing, and just drag him. Now, as you're being dragged and you're Manasseh, are you thinking twice about maybe I should have listened? You better believe it. Look at verse 12. He's a prisoner in Babylon. In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. I wrote this. God often arranges times for us to think. Now, some of those times we don't want. Picture it. Here's Manassas. He's been dragged. He's got, he ain't like today. He didn't want that hole in his nose. But he's got it. And he's in prison. He's away from home. Does he have time to think? He got all the time in the world. Now, when you're in those conditions, which two directions could you go? He could get worse and worse and worse still. Blame God. Oh, God, what's wrong with you? My father wasn't good again. Or you could go, hmm, I'm the only one that's at fault. And he humbled himself and he came to God. See, that's a very important thing. You'll never, ever get back on track until you repent and say, God, it's not them, it's not them, it's not them, it's not them, it's me. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So he humbled himself. Now, I I believe, and I don't know this for a fact, but I believe he remembered what his dad did. I believe he remembered back at the graciousness of God that when Hezekiah was at the top and he humbled himself, God restored him. I believe Manasseh remembered that. Notice, as he's evaluating his life, he's taking time. Maybe some of you are in a place now, you're laid off, you're sick, you got time on your hand. God may be speaking to you. Listen. He may be want to direct your life again. Listen. I'm not saying that all the time, but there are those times when we're there, God's trying to speak to us. So listen to what God says. He loves true humility. He loves true repentance. He begins to do the right thing. Verse 13. And when he prayed to him, God, the Lord said, No way, Jose, you're finished. Now, if you were God, would you have? I'd probably say, Who are you talking to, boy? I tried to get your attention many times. Forget you. That isn't God. You see, the world thinks that's God. This is the God that we know. Look at And the Lord was moved by his entreaty, and he listened to his plea. Right by that verse 13, you just want to put a big grace, big grace. And so he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh, look at this, knew that the Lord 
is God. Hallelujah. Do you know that the Lord's God tonight? Where did he bring you from? Out of the old miry clay. And he set my feet on a rock to stay. That rock is Jesus Christ. If you're out there tonight and you haven't come back, he's still dealing with you. You're not here by accident tonight. And there'll be many people that God loves and they think there's no second chance. This is a real picture of God. Now, let me just say this, because you're going to see in a moment, God loves to forgive, yet the effects of sin are hard to reverse. He does forgive. He repents. He's back there. But notice what's happened. He sacrificed his own kids. The whole nation was torn down. There was bloodshed. They were taken into captivity. He repented. God forgave. And yet, those consequences go on. So that's the hard part for us. Verse 14, after he rebuilt the outer, outer wall of the city of David west of the Gihon Spring in the valley as far as the entrance of the fish gate and encircling the hill of Ophel, he also made it much higher. He stationed military commanders in all the fortified cities in Judah. He got rid of the foreign gods and removed the image from the temple of the Lord as well as the altars he had built on the temple hill in Jerusalem. And he threw them out of the city. Then he restored the altars of the Lord, sacrificed fellowship offerings, thank offerings on it, told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. Notice, he told the people, you serve God now. Let's get it right. Verse 17. The people, however, continued to sacrifice at the high places, but only to the Lord, their God. Now, verse 17 is a little danger part. It's called compromise. It's called syncretism. Syncretism is not a complicated word. It just means this, trying to merge two or more life views into one. And in other words, it's trying, it's trying to take part of the world and the good things of Christianity, put them together and kind of mix it together. Here's the way I put it. Listen to this. It's the fifth gospel. It's trying to have our cake and eat it too. It's to worship God, but not give up totally our, our idols. You see, they were supposed to tear those high places down because those high places represented man's way to get closer to God. They were pagan. So they wouldn't tear them down. They just put God, they just worshiped God up there, but God didn't want to be worshipped. They wanted to be worshipped in the temple. So syncretism just means this. For some of you tonight, you're trying to have one foot in the world and serve God with one foot. You cannot do it. It's impossible. And man, do we see that? We're going to see that more and more and more with our country. Listen to this. It's a smorgasbord religion. A little Christianity, a little Buddhism. Mix in some New Age. Add some Judaism. Of course, today you got to add Islam. And it's all okay. But it is not. You can't do that. You must serve God and God alone. The primary truth cannot be altered. God is the only way. Jesus is the only way to God. Verse 18. The other events of Manasseh's reign including his prayer to his God and the words the seer spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, are written on the annals of the king of Israel. His prayer and how God was moved to his entreaty as well as, this, as, well as all of his sinfulness and unfaithfulness and the sites which he had built high places and set up as Ashereth poles and idols before he humbled himself, all are written in the record of the seers. Manasseh rested. Uh, rested. There he is. He died. Again, hunter born, hunter died. Now look at his son. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. Ammon worshipped and offered sacrifices to all the idols Manasseh had made. 
But unlike his father Manasseh, he did not humble himself before the Lord. Ammon, in fact, increased his guilt. And Ammon's officials conspired against him and assassinated him in his palace. Then the people of the land killed all who had plotted against King Ammon, and they made Josiah, his son, in his place. In those few verses, there is nothing good in the life of Ammon. Ouch. Nothing good. Now, why so high? Why so low? Let me give you these five points tonight. If you want to write them down, let's write them down quickly, and we're done. Why will some of you, if you don't pay attention to this, one year, three years, five years, not be in church anymore. Ah, on this downhill, not serving God anymore because of these things. Life is not a sprint, but a long-term marathon. It's not how well you start, it's how you finish. Some of you are starting well, but you got to finish well. you got to finish well. Well, how can I finish well? These four things. We need God's strength to persevere. You cannot finish well. I can't finish well on my own. I need God. Where do I get that time of intimacy? It's your quiet time. It's that devotion time. It's when God speaks to you. It's not legalistic. If you have none of that, you got to start it. you got to be somewhat consistent with that when God's speaking to our heart. Second, when he speaks to our heart, we have to be open to correction and accountable to other people. You can't walk in and out of this place as a drive through McDonald's, guys. I know some of you are new and you don't get it yet. And you say, well, how can I, you know, what do you mean by being a part of this church? I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad every time you come. I really am because God's speaking to your heart. But somehow you got to get plugged in. You got to find a way to be in a small group. You got to come to the couples thing, the singles thing, whatever. You got to find a way to make friends. If nothing more than hanging out here. At the end of the service, making some friends, inviting some people over. So you have to have other people in your life. You are not designed to do this alone. You don't do that, I'm afraid for you. Number three, we need to be encouraging others to continue in their own race. All of us will have down times, including myself. That's when I need your encouragement. You need people to encourage you. If people don't know you, if you're not related, if you drive through like this is a drive through McDonald's and you pick your whatever, your meet up for the week and you go and you have no people to relate to you, when you get down, you'll have nobody to encourage you. And Satan will do a job on your mind. That brings us to the fourth point. We need to remember that we're always in a spiritual war. Now that's not fearful. That's just honesty. There isn't a time that Satan isn't out to defeat you. I don't have to be afraid, but he's there. Just write this verse down because I, I want to end with this. I don't want to end on a negative note. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul was confident that what God had done in these people would be finished, completed, ended. They would get where they needed to get. Even though Manasseh recognized the one true God and got rid of all the foreign gods and altars, he saw that sin is hard to reverse. There were still remnants of those pagan practices. But Manasseh's humility moved the Lord just as our repentance is accepted by him. As Pastor Mark said, how we finish our lives depends on our choices. 
and whether or not to pursue God's strength and wisdom, then apply it. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will discuss how to be balanced in your response to the Word. There is only one right way, which is to follow the Word, all the time, without altering it according to our own desires. While every believer should desire to walk that center line, it's impossible outside of his strength. As we'll see from the example of King Josiah, the key is perseverance and a fixation on Jesus. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Second Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 